0: Hello, my name is Tanai, and I'm a women's intimacy and empowerment coach. For years, I tried to heal what I thought was commitment phobia, and I realized that there's actually no such thing. This podcast is an opportunity to have conversations about what gets in the way of us creating real intimacy, and how can we have more deep and vulnerable connections in our relationships. This is Commitment Phobia. Hello, everybody. Before we dive into the episode today, I have a quick announcement. I will be running my program Unapologetic again this fall, starting in September, ending in December. And I wanted to send an invitation out to you to see if this is something that you'd be interested in doing. It's a three month program that supports you and having a radical shift in your self expression in your relationships. So If you feel like you're challenged in asking for what you want or saying no and setting boundaries or being vulnerable and saying how you feel instead of being defensive or withdrawing, and you have a deep desire to be more unapologetic and feel more comfortable living your truth and saying how you feel without people pleasing or worrying about what are people going to think or whether people will judge you, then this program will really support you. I am just blown away by the transformation of the women in the container now and how much they step into having those hard conversations in their relationships, in their lives, from women telling their partners what they want in sex to women telling their bosses what they need at work. Some are even having really tough conversations with their parents, but most of all, just giving themselves the approval to be themselves and to put themselves first because we're just so used to thinking about everybody else before ourselves. So if anything that I just mentioned resonates and turns you on, then you can find me on Instagram at Tanai Milgram and send me a DM. Let me know that you've heard me on the podcast and you're interested in learning more about the program. It's three months, starts in September, and I would love to have you. Coming at you from Mexico City with my friend Claudia Whitney in LA. I'm so excited to have Claudia on the podcast. I was on her podcast a couple of weeks ago. Claudia's just amazing. I mean, she if you look at her, the training that she has and the amount of things that she does for Women and people is just like so impressive. Like, when I think of an impressive woman, that's who I think of. She's a transformational life and business coach. She's a certified hypnotherapist. She's a yoga and meditation teacher. And she's done that for years all over the world. And she's a mother and a wife and lives in a beautiful home in LA with her family. And she's such a Active participant in so many communities. So she doesn't sacrifice her own growth and her own pleasure in any way. And of course, no one's perfect, but she is such an expander. So I'm just, you know, always open to learn from her and um, receive from her. And I'm so just honored to have her on the podcast today. So welcome, Claudia.
1: Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. I'm so glad this is recorded because I, <laughs> when I'm having a down day, I'm definitely going to listen to that. Thank you so much. It feels really good to hear all of those things. I'm so excited to be here.
0: I'm, yeah, I'm so excited to have you. And Claudia's going to be a guest teacher for my program in a couple of weeks also. So, so to you know, there's so many things that Claudia could talk about. And what I invited her to come on to talk about is, you know, how she leads her life in a way that feels good for her in the, in the way that she runs a successful business and also is committed to her family, which is something that, you know, is such a big conversation for women and so common for women to abandon themselves and their growth or feel guilt about, you know, going on that retreat or traveling with their friends. Yeah. I'm just really looking forward to hearing your story about all these things and having women, get a little inspiration and um, advice, just listening to your story. So let's start with, did you imagine that you'd
1: be where you are today growing up? As you were asking the question, I was like, yes, I imagined this. And then when you said growing up, it, it, that really changed things for me. Growing up, I didn't have a lot of... Um, ideas of what was possible for me. I grew up in a really small town. I grew up like a lot of people in a dysfunctional family. I grew up not completely loving myself um, or even liking myself, if I'm completely honest here. I knew that I wanted to do big things. I don't know if it was more of like a rebellion or like a fuck you to my parents, like I'm going to show you, but there was some fire inside of me that knew that I'd make more money than them, you know, that I would have everything that I wanted to have because I felt like I wasn't getting it growing up. So there was something inside of me that knew that I would do big things like coaching and things like that. Weren't, weren't even a possibility to me back then but like things like psychology i was so into like reading psychology books and thinking that i was going to go to college and you know become a psychologist or a psychiatrist or just something and uh, to help people so there there were flavors of that but yeah so it's an interesting thing to think about because it growing up, there was this feeling of, I'm going to show you.
0: Mm, Yeah. And it's interesting hearing you talk about it with so much approval because it's like normally that's spoken of in like a negative way. Like, But it sounds like you turned that fuck you into something positive, into like, that's what was the catalyst to keep you moving forward in your life.
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely realized at some point when I started to do self-development work that like, okay this fuck you (laughs) to my parents and to the world, you know, could be turned into something positive. Uh, So there was like a a moment where it was conscious, like, okay. Um, For a long time, it wasn't. It was just like me being really angry. I even had a dream last night about my family, which I haven't done in a long time. And there was a lot of anger in the dream. And I kind of woke up going like, whoa, is there still something left, some healing to do? And I think there's always going to be healing that I'm going to have to to do. And I've done so much up until now to really reframe my childhood and the things that I felt like were happening to me and really can see them now as how they happened for me, you know, and not in a like spiritual bypassing or like, toxic positive you know way, but just in a in, in a in a real way like getting to know my parents and understanding why they did the things they did and why my mom was so hard on me and all these feelings of not being wanted or not feeling loved, um, growing up and really attaching like a new story to it after diving deep with my my mom especially and learning more about her and her childhood and how she was brought up and geez, there just really wasn't another way for her. You know what I mean? Like, she it was impossible for her to show me affection because she never received affection. She didn't know how to show love. And so, all these things I craved and made mean that I wasn't lovable. Or that she actually hated me and didn't want me, um, you know, were all all stories that I I made up to make sense of my life and like make sense of how I was being treated, you know?
0: Yeah. Wow. And that's like, ooh, that's that's really the most important work that we all need, I think. You know, I I really do think that the healing all starts with our parents and the beliefs that we made around that, right?
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. And I don't know if it's like backfiring on me now because now I'm a mom and I have an eight year old and like. You know everything that I do now. I mean, I'm not like crazy, but it comes into my mind. Like, am I fucking him up right now? Do you know what I mean? It's like, I, I, and then I, my friend slash uh, coach, um, said once at a retreat, like, if you're not fucking your kids up, you're gonna fuck your kids up. You know. And so I have to really let go of like trying to be the perfect um, parent and just be real with him. And like, when I do fuck up, like tell him, Hey mom, that wasn't cool. And I know that. And so just trying to like find that balance of like letting him, letting me fuck up, letting him fuck up. Can we say fuck up? <laughs> can we say fuck
0: right. <laughs> on your podcast? Oh, absolutely. You can say okay. anything. <laughs> <laughs> so it makes me think of two things. Number one, my mom says that the worst thing you could do for your children is protect them, like, too much, right? Like, that's the worst thing you could do is overprotect them so much that then they can't fiend for themselves out in the world, you know? And there is kind of this trend of women doing work that are now obsessed with, I don't want to traumatize my, my kids, and yeah, somewhere or another, we, we do get traumatized. It's kind of part of, right? The part of the human experience. Exactly. And
1: it's, you know, you, what your mom says is is so true. And it's so hard to do sometimes to see your child making mistake or failing or see his heart breaking and, and just accepting that, like, if you don't let him or her go through these things that, you know, or, or just realizing this is what is making him, you know, a, a person that can like face things in the world and not um, shrink and not, you know, go after his dreams because he's afraid to fail. You know, I read the book Growth Mindset and was probably, or it's called Mindset actually, by Carol Dweck, and it was a really important book for me to read. I was reading it for myself, and then I didn't realize how much I'd be using it in my parenting. You know, um, basically she talks about have you probably know this a growth mindset or a fixed mindset. If you kids that grow up being praised and saying that they're brilliant and and can do everything well and perfectly get into this. Fixed mindset where they're afraid to try new things because they don't want to fail. They've got this label on them now, and so I've seen this happen with kids. And so with the growth mindset, you know, with Bodhi, I really talk about the progress and the process. And I never say like "You're the best." Or if he says, "I lost the race," then I I don't say, "Well, you know, you're still the best." I'm like, "Well, they're the best. (laughs) They're the best. And how could you be the best? You need to practice more." You know. And so really changing my language. with him but it also applies to to us you know as adults.
0: Yeah, that's so good because it's like you're not the best but I still love you, right? It's like I think that's that's kind of where we get in in childhood like tricked up but it's like oh then I'm not going to be loved if I'm not the best.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, when he makes a mistake, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know, I like really celebrate when he makes a mistake, when he figures it out, if it took him ten times to do something and he got on the eleventh try, I make a big deal about the ten times and how you know. I just really focus on the
0: process. Mm, that's so good. Did you imagine yourself being both a family woman and a businesswoman?
1: I um, never been a woman that thought they wanted to be a full time mom. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just have so many dreams, and I have so many desires and I just not that you can't um, fulfill your dreams and be a full-time mom but for me a lot of my dreams you know are around business and my career and financial you know goals Mm -hmm. and so that to me was just as important as being a mom and, you know, even like when the pandemic hit and I was like homeschooling hit, you know, I was like, oh my God, I didn't sign up for this. You know, I ended up doing a good job. You know, I did the best that I could, but I I was, it was really clear that I'm, I'm not that, that mom that wants to stay home all day with her kid.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm curious, like coming from a broken home were there ever worries about like, um, you know, creating a healthy home?
1: 100%. I think I did have fears of turning into my mom or not, you know, making my kids feel like I felt growing up. And then there was this going back to like the, I'll show you was like, I can't wait to do it and do it my way and do it the right way. You know, even as a little, little person, like I remember... This is like before I kind of understood like, you know, what happens or maybe, um maybe I was thinking reincarnation. I don't know, but I would think when I was little, I, I can't wait till I'm her mom. <laughs> like in my little girl mind, I even at a, I have diaries from six and seven years old telling, saying, I hate my mom. I hate my life. Right. And so I remember I guess I thought like she was my mom and that I was going to be her mom <laughs> at some point and that I was like going to show her how it's done which is really funny to think about. I haven't thought about that in a million years. So yeah, I think there was a, a bit of fear, but I think there was also like this rebel in me that was like whatever, I'm going to sh- I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it
0: well and do it right. Not there's not that there's a right way to do it, but you know I just think that's so cool that you you know that you you were able to take that and, and have that and in, like inspire you to be better as opposed to you know be afraid like oh am I really going to be able to create this if I didn't know any better but you set out to create it and you set out to do different
1: yeah and it's so interesting tonight like I was thinking about this in the shower yesterday because I knew we were gonna be doing this and thinking about my my life and from a young age and I don't know what it what it was I just knew like I knew that my parents were doing their best even though I hated it and that we fought a lot and and I would be so mad at them but when my friends would talk about my like my mom especially like oh your mom I would stick up for her because I knew she was from a different country she was from Jordan so it was different cultures so in my little girl brain like I, I understood somehow that she was doing the best that she could and I don't I don't know how that happened, but it did. It's just how I thought. So I'm, I'm glad for that. You know, I could, cause I could have, I mean, I was in a foster home at one point, you know what I mean? It's like, I could have really gone down another road.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm just, wow. That I just, you know, I, I come from a very different background where my parents were always present. They're always supporting me. And also we were, I was like very repressed in a way where like I lived in a bubble. My parents didn't really talk about anything when I never witnessed conflict at home you know it was just like always politeness and and you always just commented on the food at the dinner table and you always dress well at the dinner table so that's why you know that's what has me ask about kind of your your story from you know creating when when your background didn't really exemplify it yeah
1: it's really interesting that you're saying this because I think about this a lot you had the childhood you had and i had the one that i that i have and today we're doing very similar things we have podcasts we have we do retreats we both have group programs we're both really um in in service to to women and their desires and having the best lives and being empowered and so i bring that up because i also saw that saw that with some of my friends you know they had very i was so jealous of their background you know and still like you're saying you know, you didn't see conflict. You you know there are things that you didn't get to learn, and and that m- may have played out in negative ways in your adult life, right? So I don't know. does it matter how yeah, we grew up.
0: <laughs> totally. We all have exactly. We all have those different things to work on. And like for me, like I I've, I I constantly have to shake off this pressure to settle down. And so I'm curious that that's what has me stand out about like the way that you've led your parenting and your partnership. And it's very unconventional from what I see. So t- I'd love to hear about that and how you design that in your life.
1: Oh yeah. That's fun. I ha- I met my husband at, when I was 37 years old and I lived in Hong Kong at the time. And before that I was in Thailand and before that New York and San Francisco. So I'd always been around like women and people that were getting married later were, were following their adventure. So I, you know, you were saying the pressure to settle down. I didn't really feel that. But when I would visit Kansas where I'm from and everybody was married and everybody had kids, I definitely felt like, what the fuck am I doing? (laughs) Like I need to be my person soon, you know, and I would feel that way. So it really depended on where, where I was, if I felt the pressure or not. And then I go back to these big cities where, you know, like especially in Hong Kong an expat community where, you know, people were really, yeah, traveling and, and, and doing amazing things. And, I met my husband. He was living in Bali. I was 37. I met him. Uh, he moved to Hong Kong and we had our son in Hong Kong. And I have to give a lot of the, the, the points to, uh, to my husband, because from the very beginning, we just decided that we weren't going to let a child, like we weren't going to put our, this is going to sound, <laughs> it's going to sound kind of crazy. I maybe. can't wait.
0: Yeah. I'm so excited. It was we
1: weren't going to put our kid first. Like, you know what I mean? And so it's like, if I'm talking about it with my husband, it feels very normal. But saying this, thinking that like many people will be listening to this, I'm like, are they going to be like, what's wrong with that mom? But I think it really has been really helpful. I mean, of course, we we take care of him. He has the best life. We love him. He feels loved. He's incredible. He's more than incredible.
0: Sorry. I just really want to say like, there's so many people who have kids to make themselves happy. So I think it's amazing that that you're like, no, we're going to make ourselves happy. Like, that's what I'm here.
1: It's exactly right. We decided from, you know, before he was born that we weren't going to change what we wanted to do. We weren't going to change who we were. Of course, we changed when we became parents. That's natural. And we we put ourselves first. And I have to say, like, the reason why I give my husband a lot of credit is because I have the tendency to put my desires on the back burner or put things in front of my self-care, you know? And so as a mom, I think that's easy to slip into. And he's been a constant anchor of like, you know, where do we want to go? Because I'm like, well, what does he want to eat? You know, and or where will he have fun? And so from an early age. He was a baby. We'd have people over. Jason, my husband would be DJing, you know, in the living room. And then the next morning I'd say, Bodie, he's like two and three. I'm, Did you hear us last night? We, nope. He didn't hear anything. You know, he was in bed, he was sleeping. We were taking the music festivals. You know, he's been to music festivals in Thailand, Australia, you know, Hong Kong. We go to music, we were just at a music festival in May. So we've always just put our um, desires first, we obviously take his desires into consideration. You know, it's like, we're not like, okay, fuck you, kid. We're just doing what we want to do. We we do things that we all want to do. And we just don't, we don't put ourselves last. We make ourselves and our, our needs, you know, really important. And what we see is he thrives when I'm thriving. And when Jason's thriving, like he, I mean, honestly, we could be living in a box in Kentucky, you know, if we're happy, Bodhi's happy, like he could be anywhere. He, he's a happy kid. Um, but if mom's sad or mom's not feeling fulfilled or I'm feeling like, you know, stuck, he's going to feel that, right? It's going to affect my relationship with my husband and it trickles down, you know?
0: Wow. Yeah. You know, it's, it's insane though how simple you make it sound and how... Like I don't know, the smallest percentage of the world thinks and thinks the way you do and is leading, you know, their family the way you are. But you know, I I've been in this trauma course with Gabor Mate for a year now, and he talks so much about how if children see their parents unhappy, what they're gonna do is try to make them happy. Like even even in in symptoms, like kids will absorb the anger or the sadness of their parents in order to you know unconsciously take care of them because. It's a survival mechanism, and I, you know, I can count. You know, I can tell you countless of memories of just my parents not being happy, right, and me worried because we didn't talk about things. So it was like me always worrying, what's wrong with my parents? Mm, I get that. Yeah. What do you see, maybe in clients or just women or fellow mothers that you know that gets in the way of thinking that way of like, how do I make myself happy first?
1: First of all, I I have to say that I have a partner that's on board with this. Thinking and this philosophy, and so it makes it very easy because when I forget, he reminds me. When he forgets, I remind him. And so, what I see with clients, and especially clients that are that are mothers, um, I would say one thing that gets in the way is that their partner and them are on the same page. And so, I think communication. Is huge, and not that I have to believe everything Jason believes, or he has to believe everything that I believe, because there, are, it's not like that. And we communicate, we talk about it, and then we bring Bodhi into the conversation when, when it's appropriate. And so I think that going back to your question, I think what gets in the way is not having um, support. So maybe you don't have, maybe you're a single parent. You know, it's like finding support. You know, whether it be family members or friends or sisterhood. That can help you. And then communication with those people, your partner, your sisters, or whoever it is. And then constant reflection. You know, Um, when Bodhi was born, we decided we were going to, this is so cute. We were like, let's check in with each other once a week, you know? And with a baby, things change every hour, like things change, you know, daily. So, like, I'd be doing something that we had been doing for a couple of days and I would change it because I'd be like, oh, this is better. And then he would do it the original way. And I'd be so mad at him. like, no, it's not. It's not how I'm doing it now. And he's like, I didn't know you were doing this yesterday. So we realized we needed daily check ins. And so every it might be 2 a.m. while I'm breastfeeding and we just check in what happened today, what worked, what didn't work. And it's a simple, quick check in. And I have to say, like our son is eight years old and we still check in daily. We still check in and just just recap like it's like an assessment <laughs> of the day like and we constantly talk about what's coming up we're just like on the same page so i'm going to i'm i'm going to stop there so I, cuz i can feel myself going off but um oh no i'm are, falling yeah okay <laughs> those no. are a couple of those are a couple of things that i think are are key and, and important if you're going to have a lifestyle like this
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense and it's funny cuz people don't even know about a weekly check-in. And here you are saying that you guys have a daily check-in. I know. Oh it seems gosh. It's
1: very, it's very extravagant. <laughs> it's very luxurious to, and sometimes it's annoying because my husband, he loves to talk and like, I'm talking to women all day long because I'm a coach. And so when I'm done, my work day is done. I'm like, don't want to talk usually. And he's like, so excited, like, like a, a puppy, an excited puppy. When I come upstairs, you know, and I'm like, Okay, he really wants to talk right now. <laughs> We're gonna do this. Um, I've gotten better at letting him know if I'm available for it or not and and can we put put a pause on it if I need space? But yeah, I think it's so important.
0: Yes. well, speaking of, I, I bet boundaries are really important to compartmentalize all these parts of your life, you know, so you have your marriage, you have, you know, your family as a unit, your business, your time with your sisters what what was that process like as you as all these different worlds started coming together
1: yeah that's it's really interesting to think about because the word balance is really interesting to me because i don't think that i'll just speak for myself i don't really think that i want like balance in my everyday or my every hour and have everything feel feel balanced sometimes balance for me looks like you know the first year of the pandemic i probably did Fifteen. I probably did like at least fifteen hundred hours of education, like online edu- education and cert- getting certificates, and that's not counting like coaching programs that I was in and all the hours I spent with that. Right, and that was that was very intentional. And I so I didn't actually spend a lot of time with my family, if I'm honest. If you look at my phone's, my husband's phone in his photo albums in the year twenty twenty. There's a lot of pictures of Bodie and Jason on the weekends at the beach and camping, and I'm not in those pictures, but that was, I made a decision to really focus on my education and focus on my business. And it was a conversation like, this is what mommy's doing this year. And I'm not going to be around as much. And daddy's going to be doing a little bit more. And so, so I just share that because for me, you know, someone might look at that and be like a mom that's not like hanging out with their family on the weekends and going to be on zoom calls all day, you know, for like a whole year, (laughs) you know, like what, like how selfish. And that's just, I was ready for that. Jason was on board. Bodhi was on board. They supported me. And then after that year, it wasn't how I wanted to live. You know, it was very, it was very evident that I wanted more time with my family. I miss them. And I was like, I want to go be away with them on weekends. And so now what do I have to do to create that? So I think we get to create the definition of what balance means, happiness, what our success means. And we get to define that and we get to enroll the people in our lives into that definition, or at least like letting them be aware. This is what's going on with a mommy. I'm not gonna be around so much. And this is why, you know? And can you support me? And can you support me in these ways? Mm.
0: Wow, what I'm hearing too is like, just how, yeah, just how things change and transform. You, 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 you just checked in with yourself and said like, what's resonant right now? What do I desire right now? And honored that.
1: Yeah. And there was like, when I wanted to go back to school, like there was definitely like, Jason wasn't on board at first, (laughs) you know, saying like, you're going to be like in school, you have a, you have a business, like how are you going, you know, he plays devil at the devil's advocate for me a lot, you know? And I went to him, you know, one month and he was like, not really on board. And then the fire in me was like, so fucking strong. I was like, I am doing this and I'm going to figure out a way. So then I, it's like, I came to him with like a a business plan or something, you know, it's like, okay, the next month I came back to him. I was like, no, no, this is what I want. And this is how it can be done. And I can get a student loan and, you know, this is how it works. And this is how, you know, and I came back to him and and that's just how his mind works where I'm more like, if you want it, do it you know? And he's like, I need to see like how this is actually going to work. I want spreadsheets, you know? So it, it, so I just share that so that it doesn't look like I'm like, Hey babe, I want to like study for a year. And he's like, okay, cool. You know, it took a few conversations, a lot of tears. I mean, I was very passionate and I didn't, I'll add this just because it's coming through, you know, he went to school, um, his parents paid for college. He had a very, you know, a, bringing where he was very supported. I my parents were broke and I always had these jobs and I wanted to go to college and so yeah there was that too where I think I I see how I kind of played into the victim and was like I really want this for myself. I didn't I didn't have the childhood that you had, you know. <laughs> I it wasn't easy for me, you know. So it's kind of interesting. I'm just remembering that now, but yeah, you know, so it's not perfect, but it worked out
0: well I can I can relate in the sense that I I'm always leading with passion too and like if you want it you can have it anything's possible and then I grew up with two very left brain brothers and and a dad who are also just like you know in finance like summa cum laude like the highest in in college and business school and so yeah I would always come with like some really passionate idea and get it squashed by all the men in my family and what I've learned is Kind of what you're sharing, which is like meaning that, like speaking the other person's language, right? Like, like okay, they need more reasoning, they need more logic. How do I present this in a way that they can understand, but also not abandon your passion and abandon your belief, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. You're when you said speak their language. I think that you hit it on the the nail on the head there. You know, cause I'm, I remember when I was pregnant and he, we went out one night and ended up at a friend's house that was a DJ, He was DJing. And then Jason got on the decks and was learning how to DJ. And he was like, I want to be a DJ. You know, the next day I was like, go buy all the equipment. You know, <laughs> I was like, he's like, we're about to have a baby. And I'm like, yeah, do it now because we're about to have a baby, you know? So I'm just like, go do it. Like life is short, you know, and he ended up doing it. But yeah, so it's interesting when two people think very differently. And yeah, I think it is just figuring out how to communicate it, you know, but also I feel like we're similar where we have lots of ideas, you know, and like we're inspired every day we want to do this, that, and this. And I just had a human design reading with Brie Rubin and she, yeah, just shared with me that like, I'm going to have lots of ideas and, and lots of downloads and I don't have to act on all of them. And so with Jason, I now, instead of bringing everything to him, I, I I wait, I wait and see, is this still resonant in a week? Is this still a desire? You know, and then if it's still really fiery and really like, yes, this is like a whole body, fuck yes, then that's when I'm going to go to him, you know, and talk about doing it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's super helpful to hear I'm curious you know you got married at 37 which by the way I can't believe you're not 37 right now you look (laughs) like you're 30 do you know that I'm 47 no way I mean I imagine because of Bodhi's age you know (laughs) you're like doing the math (laughs) yeah but I'm like what (laughs) you're this woman who's just like creating her own life traveling all over the world you know so you got married in your late 30s and now you have two other people in your life to consider with your decisions. Was that tough to, to have to consider others into the decision? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd love yeah. to hear about that.
1: So tough tonight. Like I remember moving to Australia and, you know, even though Jason and I are on the same page for a lot of things, you know, when it comes to like spending money, you know, and committing hours and hours of my time and energy, he, yeah, I remember wanting to just sign up for a, a coaching certification program, a year long program, you know, and I was so mad that I had to get his okay, you know, and someone listening, like I remember saying once that I, talked it over with my husband. He wasn't on board. And the woman came back to me later and was like, oh my God, when you said that, I was like, what? I would never let a man tell me da, 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 da. She's single and she's not married. But um, yeah, so something I had to really learn because I was single for, you know, I mean, I had boyfriends and stuff, but for 37 Years and we were married when I was 38. I had Bodhi when I was close to 40. So, living all those years doing what I wanted, when I wanted, didn't have to ask anyone. Like, my parents, even though you know growing up with them was rough, they never pressured me into living a certain life. Like, they actually never said anything about anything. I would say, I'm moving to Hong Kong, and they're like, they're like, what Taipei? You know, I was like, no, 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 Hong Kong. They just were really like, I never had pressures. I never had to ask. And so it was really, really, really hard for me. I was really angry that I needed to like get someone else's okay. And I went back to my, fuck you, I don't need you. I'll show you. So that's when I realized how strong that pattern was in me of like, you know, I don't need you. I'll show you. I'll do this on my own. I'll figure it out. And it really went back to all the times my parents said no to me, they didn't have the money or my mom was just being strict. (laughs) I had to heal that, you know, and thankfully I did sign up for the coaching program and I had a year long spiritual, you know, it's called consciousness coaching with Erica Stanton in Australia and deep diving into all my shadows, all my inner child stuff. And I got to really heal that, but it was, you know, that and money, you know, it was like having to like you know, get a yes or, you know, no, or just getting him to 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 agree that, you know, for me to do something, but also money. And like, he was very, um, it's our money. And I'm like, no, no, this is my money, you know? <laughs> so that was like another thing that was really hard for me because all those years I just made what I made and I survived and didn't have to think about family. So 100% it was a portal that I had to go through for sure.
0: Right. I'm sure in a very counterintuitive portal, right? Like here you are saying, I can do it all on my own. And the practice was kind of what I'm hearing, like surrender and actually like, (laughs) like doing it with someone else is where you could find the the freedom that you're looking for and doing it all on your own.
1: Yeah. And he would say like, when I would be struggling somehow and I wouldn't bring it to him, he'd be like, you realize like, this is like, we're a team, you know, like, you're not good the eunuch's not good. Like the family's not good, you know? And really it took me a long time to just realize, oh, I can bring, I can be vulnerable and bring this to him and, and, you know, not look at it as like a weakness and something that I have to do on my own. It was like, I was fighting this fight on the side, you know, without anybody knowing. And he was just like, here I am. Like, please, I want, I want to know this stuff. I want to be on this ride with you. I want to, he was like, I want to struggle with you. I want to be unhappy with you, you know? Yeah, oh man. That's really special. I know. I'm like you should be interviewing him, not me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so funny. Maybe maybe I'll have both of you guys on and you can talk about yeah, your partnership for sure. You know, I have so many friends who don't want to have kids because what they see is unhappy parents. And like I can't speak to that, right? I'm not a parent. And it's funny, I almost feel like Like you were me 10 years ago, you know, it's, I I I didn't, (laughs) yeah, I didn't realize how much, like how divine this, this episode is because, you know, I'm traveling around, I'm single. I see myself as both running a business and having a family, but it's like, I'm constantly needing to detox the fear that's there of like, will it happen? Am I, am I going to find it on this path? Um, You know, am I, am I not, am I not having, a conventional like is my life not conventional enough to have that conventional you know like settling down but yeah but but what I really want to ask is about image that people have about unhappy parents That the minute that couples have kids that the happiness kind of what's it called withers away
1: yeah and I can see you know parenting is hard you know being a mom is hard like Jason travels a lot he's away right now and I'm having to juggle and it creates an added layer of anxiety for me sometimes if I'm not like on top of it. And, you know, it's like, I, I a lot of my friends are, I was going to say single, single or without children. Right. They don't have children. And I, I, feel myself like having jealousy of the time that they have to spend on these things or, you know, reading books or, you know, and I, and, and it's like, yeah, it's just this funny thing where you really have to decide that it's possible to have the partnership and be the parents that you want to be. When I before I met Jason, you know like I said I was 37, my parent my friends all said I was living in a fantasy land because I had this list of what I wanted and it came down to believing that I could have this lifestyle. It was like I'm either going to have this lifestyle and be single and be doing all the things I want to do, or I'm going to have it and be a mother and a and a wife, but I'm not going to live any other way. I just decided that. But not just deciding it, I believed it. Like I believed it was possible. And I think that's the key right there, that it was just like, it, there was just no other way. I was like, yeah, of course, that's the way that it's going to be. I mean, And, you know, when you become a parent, your desires change too. You know, it's like, I don't really have the like, I want to travel and live all over the world. I mean, I kind of do, because that's just kind of in me. (laughs) But like there for a long time, it was like, you know, when you said you're in Mexico City, I was like, oh, I remember spending a month in Mexico City once doing a teacher training. You know, I did did those things. I don't really have those desires now. And my desires really do involve my family now. I'm like, oh, I want to take Bodhi to Europe. And like, go to different, go on the train and like t- take him to all these, these places and show them, show them the world. So my desires change have changed. They're similar, but like they involve my family now they involve him. And so, yeah, unhappy parents. I get it because I grew up with unhappy parents. And in my dream last night, so funny that you're talking about this in my dream, I was like, why are you still together with my mom and my dad? And I was like, so confused why they were still together. And I was reflecting back on it today. And that's how my whole childhood was. I knew I was like, why are they together? They stayed together for the kids. That was their thing. Got to stay together for the kids. At a young age, my whole life just was so confused why they're even together. So I think people put like their kids first or like, we need to stay together, but they don't realize your kids are going to be so much happier when they see mom like dating or mom like taking that art class and like, you know, free of the fighting and free of, you know, if that's what's, you know, if that's the answer, you know, divorce or separation answer. That's what I want my kid to see. Yeah? Like me doing, doing the things like me going on retreats, me pulling out the paints Like I, I love that he sees me doing that, you know?
0: Absolutely. I mean, I can, I can relate in, in, Asking myself the same thing about my parents. Now hearing you speak about it, I sort of had the same thing where, like, I believe that I could, ha- I could be a happy adult because to me, what I saw is like, when you're an adult, your dreams die, right? Your like sense of adventure dies, and I'm like, hell no! Like, I want to be an adult that still has that. And I got to see that in my parents after they got divorced, even though that was at 20, 22, I think, 20, no, 21. But still, like, I got to see my mom and my dad both reconnect to their life force in a way that, you know, that wasn't there when they were married.
1: So uh, can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah. So, like, for you, it must have been devastating when they divorced. But how was that for you, like, to see that transition of them being in an unhappy relationship and then going, you know... Into these lives where they were like more alive and maybe more connecting more to themselves. How was that for you?
0: Yeah, it's there's there. It's just wild how many similarities are here. I had a very fuck you attitude. I had a very like fuck you. I knew there was something off with our family in like how secretive they were and how unexpressive they were and how you know I, I I always had an intuitive sense that it was kind of bad. And I'm putting air quotation marks that we didn't fight. I was like, fuck you, I knew that something was broken. And actually, when they separated, I was studying abroad in Australia, and then afterwards I went to Southeast Asia. And I I, I like kind of took my mom on a eat, pray, love trip. I invited her to Cambodia, she was so scared because she was like, that's a third world country, like I'm gonna get sick from the water. And I'm like, no, 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 like come. And I took her on this very bare bones yoga retreat. Um, that was so intense. It was very much her eat, love experience. Um, She came back and that really was a catalyst for her to, you know, yeah. Take, take ownership of her life. Yeah. So I was happy. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's amazing that to hear and, and, you know, I think, yeah, people do think that like, it's not possible. It's too late. I should have done that five years ago or 10 years ago. And I'm like, I just feel like a stand for women that, you know, it's it's never too late, you know? And so I just love that story.
0: My mom is what, like 60, 62 now, I think. And she talks about her life like it's just starting. Yeah, she just like has so much to look forward to. And she got into personal development when I was born. So that was like in her mid-30s. And so... Yeah, it really it is not too late, and I and I hear you. You got married at thirty-seven. That's also later than you know than most women think they should get married at. Yeah, that that's that's cool for me to hear because I'm about to turn thirty in a month. You know,
1: <laughs> yay! <laughs> I know. I so many people just because I'm we're in part of similar communities. You know, you do get to some people get to a point where it's like, is it going to happen? And I'm like, you know, just because you're 30 or 32 or 34 or 36 or, you know, even 40, like, you know, it's it's not doesn't mean that it's not possible or not going to happen. I think of it as just timing. You know, my husband, he was married when I met him. I mean, they were separated. And she was living in uh, Singapore and he was living in Bali. So they had been separated for like a year, but they hadn't gotten officially divorced. And when I met him, I'm like, there are so many times where I caught myself. I'm like, how did we not meet sooner? We're so perfect for each other. Oh, we couldn't have met. Like he was finishing up this contract and I had these contracts, you know? It's like, it's just not possible. So I always just think of like in this time. And that's what I thought then was, it was just practice. I was just practicing being the best version of me. I was practicing being the most confident, practicing just really coming home in myself and being connected. And I just was, it was like preparation, you know, for when he came into my life, I'd be so ready for him. And it wasn't about meeting him to have the perfect life. It was that he would just enhance it. And it was just like, you know, this other thing that, yeah, there's so much more I could say, but yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah i am i i can resonate in that that's kind of what i'm stepping into right now of like how do i complete myself how do i find whatever it is that i'm trying to find in someone else in myself yeah, yeah. it's beautiful i just want to circle back to you saying that you just really believe that you could have this life do you find that most women or, or most of your clients when, at least when they start working with you, they don't they don't really see it that way. They don't have that belief of this is possible.
1: Yes, one hundred percent. I would say. I mean, should I say one hundred percent? I'll say 90 percent of the the women that I work with don't believe it or they don't see it yet. I feel like that's my superpower. I feel like I when women come to me, I'm like can really see what they were born to do, what their gifts are. You know even if you went to five people and asked like, what are my gifts, talents, superpowers, right? People would be able to tell you. And you, some things you'd agree with some things you'd be like, what me really, you know, we don't always know like what our gifts are or what, what the amazing thing is about us, let alone believe it. <laughs> and so I kind of feel like I feel in that gap. Like I, believe in them so much that they're like, okay, it must be true. And then they, by working with me, you know, or doing some kind of self-development, they can start to see it and believe it and work through like what gets in the way of believing it, what gets in the way of receiving it, you know, and, um, and then start to let themselves have it, you know, really allowing, It to come in. I mean, I know you're really into manifestation. It's like, what is it? Ask, believe, receive, or something like that, you know? And so, yeah, I think that there is this area that has to be strengthened before you get the things that you want. And one of the pieces is believing 100%.
0: Oh, man. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Like just being in your space and hearing you speak. And of course, I've heard you before and I've heard your podcast. At least you're sucking me into that energy of of like you just gotta you just gotta believe it, believe it to see it, not see it, to believe it.
1: Mm. yeah, that reminds me of the Dr. Wayne Dyer book. You'll see it when you believe it. I think that's the name of the book. Yeah, right.
0: yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> good. Thank you so much for sharing yourself and and your stories and wisdom. I'd love to hear what you're working on these days and how um what women can can reach out to you for.
1: Yeah. Well, I have two signature programs. One is beginning next week. So I don't know when your podcast, this interview will be coming out, but it'll be an ongoing program. But it's called Bold Soul. And it's really letting women come in and own their desires, focus on an area of their life, whether it be financial goals related goals or you know personal goals, health, things like that, improving the relationship with self. So really choosing a focus and then um, having sisterhood and support to you know be more empowered with more empowered and bold in your desires and in your like expression like of of your desires and being more bold in your receiving. And so that's what the uh, this next program is, and it's called Bold Soul. And then I have another program called Courage to Create, which is similar, but the focus is on businesses. So I help women, creative women, multi-passionate uh, women create businesses. So a lot of coaches, yogis, teachers, healers, um, creating um, their businesses from the ground up, more of a foundational course learning how to build your community, your messaging, your niching and things like that, branding and social media and all the things. And then I do retreats just like you. <laughs> I have a retreat called Woman Unleashed um, that I do. I did the first one in Joshua Tree in June and I'm planning the the next one very soon. I mean, not that it's happening soon, but the planning is happening soon. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I would say those are like my three main offerings, Bold Soul, Courage to Create and Woman Unleashed. And you can see just by the titles, what I'm about and that's really having the courage to take risks and you know become unleashed and do the things that are deep down fiery desires and you know putting yourself first and making it more important than your doubts, your fears, what other people say. You can have it.
0: You can have it. You can have it. it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh oh my goodness. So turned on from this conversation. Thank you so much. And yeah, this this podcast comes out next week, so.
1: Oh, perfect. So the program starts August 4th. Let me know if you're interested. Just DM me at, at with.claudiawhitney.
0: Well, I will put the the handle in the description so you guys can find her.
1: Thank you so much, tonight. This was really fun. Like, I feel so, I want to like go and change the world. Like, I'm really feeling fired up right now. I'm like, whoa, I just hyped myself up. This is awesome.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you. I do. I do get that a lot, I must say. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Commitment Phobe. If you like what you heard, make sure to share with your friends, your lovers, your ex-lovers, anyone that you think could benefit from having a conversation like this one. And... It would be super helpful if you subscribed and left a five-star rating on iTunes to make sure that this podcast gets spread around to as many listeners as possible and we can start changing the conversation that we have around intimacy and relationships. If you want to find out more information about what I do as a women's coach and some of my other projects that I'm working on, you can find my information in the bio of this episode or you can reach out to me directly on Instagram. And shoot me any questions that you have. See you next time.